Hi everyone, welcome to the True Crime Podcast, where we mainly focus on San Diego cases. My name is Arena. And I'm Renette. Hi, Arena. Hi, Renette. How are you doing? Good. How are you? I'm doing okay. I'm excited for the weekend. I'm going to Joshua Tree. Oh, for Denise's birthday, right? Uh, I've never been, so I'm super, super excited. Have you been? Um, a long time ago. Um, oh, really? Yeah, usually when we go up that way, Stella and I stay at the Saguaro in Palm Springs. Oh, okay. Uh, but not really to Joshua Tree. But it's it's going to be hot as heck over there, so make sure you guys hydrate properly. I know. That's what I was thinking. But, I mean, I have some good experience. I mean, not good experience, but I have some experience living in Vegas. So Okay. Well, <clears throat> we all survived the hurricane, right? So that's good news. Um <laughs> The hurricane, the quote-unquote hurricane, is like one lawn chair just like tipped over. <laughs> I know. I like um, the night the night before. I was at the Lafayette Hotel for my friend's birthday. I saw that. It was so, so beautiful, Arena. Like literally every place that you look, no matter where you turn your head, there's something really cool. Like it's just amazing. My favorite part was um, like the basement, the downstairs area. They had. Uh, imported stuff from like an abandoned church in Mexico and so there was like this Virgin Mary statue and there was these really cool like candles and it was just really good um yeah nice. it was really nice but afterwards my friend had an after party at her house and oh, yeah. then <laughs> she's so crazy doing white zombie karaoke um but anyways I told Sal we need to go home because my garden the rain is going to be coming and I do not want to lose all of my veggies. So we got like a tarp and I got my dumbbell weights and I was placing them over the tarp to like protect my veggies because that was like the only thing I was worried about. But I didn't <laughs> need to even do all of that stuff. Yeah. they were fine. Oh, okay. That's good. Well, I'm glad your vegetables are safe. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. Um, but today's going to be a little different because we're going to start it off with, I picked four questions that we received from my our Instagram post. Okay. Um, because there was quite a few more that came in, but I feel like it's just going to make this podcast episode so long. Okay. So I just picked a few of them. The first one is going to be, on just a second, my face ID isn't recognizing on my phone because I have my glasses on. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Um, so someone asked, how did we meet? Okay, well, um, as you guys know, Renette hosts the True Crime uh, Trivia Nights over at Three Punks and um, monthly, right? Uh -huh. Basically once a month. And um, I actually known, I've known Renette's brother, Bubba, wow. for... I think I, when I met you, Renette, I had known him for oh, basically a decade, basically oh, wow. as long as I was with my ex, and because uh, I met him through him, like they were both friends and they were in bands together, uh -huh. and so and Bubba was like, "Hey, is, um, Arena, you should come support my sister. She's starting this first night at trivia, and you like true crime, so like you should come do it. I bet you'd be really good at it." And when we m met Renette, we immediately kind of just clicked. Yeah, and we immediately started talking. Like we even uh, with Christina, um, she was like she pointed out your Interpol tattoo, and we both are love Interpol. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like an instant like friendship, and yeah, ever since then we've been hanging out, talking a lot, and started the podcast. 
Yeah. So I'm super grateful for that or else I probably wouldn't have gotten to know you the way that I have. Yeah. And another question is, um, they asked us, what is our favorite podcast? So for me, my my favorite podcast is Crime Lines. Um, okay. I think I've mentioned it before. Yeah, you have. <laughs> but I really like the host, Charlie, because she's super like fact oriented and she's mm-hmm. just very well researched. Um, she's really respectful to the victims in the cases that she talks about. And she typically covers cases that I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. And she also does like a special focus on missing and murdered um, indigenous women. Oh, okay. Yeah. So okay. she's really great. And then my second is the Huberman Lab. The Huberman Lab? What's that? Yeah. So it's like a science podcast where I first started listening to him because um, uh, my friend wanted me to listen to this ADHD podcast since I always said that I have ADHD. <laughs> and so I listened to that podcast and I was like, oh man, he's like really, you know, he's really good. Um, and he explains things in a way where it's like easy for you to understand. But he also has other episodes that teach you ways where you can get a better night's sleep and uh, ways you can um, like achieve the results you're looking for from your workouts. He's just, I don't know, really, really good. Um, and then ologies, you know, I've mentioned that one. She yes. always has some sort of like scientists on there. They have a really great um scientist who talks about octopuses and squids and that was my favorite one. Oh, nice <laughs> what about you yeah you got me listening to ologies for sure i've only listened to maybe like five or six episodes but it is definitely interesting you guys should check out ologies it's Bimmer. basically she brings on uh, professionals of any type of study you can think about volcanoes uh, marine life um anything anything that exists that has ologies in it but anyway um my favorite podcast uh just for true crime which is mainly the type of podcasts i listen to Mm. morbid of course love them yes i love morbid i think they're just so they're hilarious they like make me laugh constantly but at the same time they're extremely they deep dive in their research so insanely they read multiple books they have multiple interviews they read so many articles and they take a lot of time and effort to do their research which i really appreciate Mm -hmm. and they also do um kind of supernatural cases as well and they do like spooky castles spooky lakes spooky um rivers like things like that and so or forests i like how they have different topics and um, another podcast I listen to besides like true crime is uh, I like listening to podcasts from my favorite TV shows with like the cast members. So like Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the Always Sunny podcast is hilarious. And they're just they talk about behind the scenes, which I'm really interested in. I love learning about behind the scenes of things, how things are filmed and written. And also The Office is one of my favorite shows. So Office Ladies <laughs> with Angela and uh, Pam they're on it as well and they just make me laugh and it's just interesting (laughs) yeah something nice um a nice distraction from the horrible things of true crime right pretty much yeah i go back and forth often (laughs) yeah and another question is um one of the listeners said her 14 year old daughter likes listening to the podcast with her and her daughter wanted to know 
which is our favorite case and why? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, damn. Do you have an answer? I need to think about that. <laughs> um, For me, it's probably, I think like the most interesting case for me is what got me started um, having an interest in true crime is the, well, it's not my favorite case, but the Casey Anthony case, like oh, that's yeah. what got me into true crime. But I think the most interesting case for me is the Rebecca Zahow. So oh, that's okay. probably one of my, uh, the cases that's most interesting to me. And I feel like people who are really into that case, like they get really into it and they get really angry if you don't agree with whatever is they it? are believing however she passed away uh -huh. um but yeah that case was super interesting to me okay well i when you asked the question i thought you were referring to our episodes <laughs> oh shit so if she meant our episodes that's true oh she did oh i don't know maybe she did um oh. it just said she wants to know which is your favorite case and why why okay you're uh. right it probably was something that we've covered. And if that's the case, I think my favorite case was the Jonathan Sellers and um, Charlie Kiever. And why that one was my favorite was because when I reached out to Jonathan's mom, Melania, she was so nice. She, I, I basically <laughs> had asked her permission first before I released the episode because, I don't know, it was like it involved two young kids and I felt like it was just something I should do. And she was just... So incredibly sweet. Um, yeah, what about you? So for or our episodes, um, I uh, really, really thought uh, the case of Cleophus Prince Jr., the serial killer yes. of Claremont, was really interesting because for some reason, I had never heard of it when I was doing my research. I saw, I was like, I, I had asked myself, did San Diego ever have a serial killer? And there are a few. Mm -hmm. uh, this one was like in more recent times it wasn't you know like back in the 70s yeah it wasn't or in the 70s or 80s no, it was like in the 90s late like early late 90s i think and so that was really interesting that's episode nine if you guys want to go back and listen <laughs> mm -hmm. and um outside of our cases um i mean you already know this and i mentioned it when wow. we were with um reyna interviewing her uh i mean any serial killer case in general is extremely interesting to me. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer was one of just the rarest, oddest cases ever. And um, I remember first learning about him when I was really young and watching, you know, a bunch of true crime shows and things. I probably shouldn't have been watching when I was that young, but learning about him as a kid and then just growing up watching different documentaries and different movies and now shows that they made of him are just like yeah crazy yeah yeah actually he's one of the serial killers that i also find the most interesting well there's quite a few other questions but i figure like we can just add those on to another episode otherwise we will be sitting here for quite a while um and maybe one day we can just do an S episode solely on doing a q a yeah um so anyways the, let's get into the case oh but thank you guys for those questions those are really good questions i'm glad you guys reached out and yeah super grateful for everyone who uh responded with a question um so we'll get into the case um today is going to be uh, i'm going to talk about a cult 
And you know, I I know you love you a good cult, Arena. I love me a good cult. <laughs> yes. And the one I'm going to talk about today is called The Family. Have you ever heard of it? Ooh, okay. Yes, I have, but I don't know much about it, so I am not going to look them up until you start speaking about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So the uh, they were called The Family, and I'm going to talk first about the cult leader. Um, it was a female. Her name is Anne Hamilton Byrne. She was born on December 30th, 1921 in Sale, Australia. Oh, my God. We're going way back. Way back. In Australia. Um, yeah. So this was a small, where she grew up, it was a small one-road farming town east of Melbourne. Um, her birth name was actually Evelyn Grace Victoria Edwards, but I'm going to refer to her as Anne so we don't get confused. Okay. Um, her dad was named Ralph, and her mother was named Florence. Ralph and Florence, they met just after World War I ended. Um, Ralph, he worked as an engine cleaner on the railways, and Florence was a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> and was the oldest of seven children. Her childhood wasn't the best. Um, her mom spent most of her life in mental asylums. Uh. She was actually diagnosed as a paranoid uh, schizophrenic. That's and Florence claimed to be a psychic, and she also claimed to be a medium and said she was able to speak to the dad. Oh, okay. There was an incident where Florence set her hair on fire in the middle of a busy street. <gasps> oh, why? Okay. What? Why'd she do that? I don't know what oh, went no. into her. Get a hair truck, <laughs> girl. Just pull exactly. a Britney and shave your head. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> So once the town folks seen this, obviously they phoned the police, and that's when her stays in mental asylums began. Mm -hmm. um, Ralph was hardly ever around. He would often leave Florence and the kids. It said that at least one of the times that he left, it was because he was avoiding debt collectors. Uh, they did mm -hmm. struggle financially with money. Mm -hmm. um, but anyhow, he was mostly absent, and because of that... Anne and her siblings lived much of their lives in orphanages since the mom was in mental asylums well, and the dad would just go about and do his business. That's so sad. That's it is. Sucks. So her childhood lacked stability. Her family struggled financially. And I imagine that she and her sibling, siblings probably felt abandoned. Yeah. Um, and not a whole lot is known about Anne's teenage years. Um so, and I am so curious to know, like, what happened during those really important times, but I couldn't find anything. Okay. So now I'm going to fast forward to 1941 when Anne was 20 years old. Okay. That's when she legally changes her name from Evelyn to Anne, and she meets an, um, a man named Lionel Harris. Okay. So Lionel was a farmer, and they fall in love, and they get married. Things seem to be going well. And shortly after that, Anne gave birth to their daughter named Judith. Now, Anne had always dreamed of having a really large family. She wanted lots and lots of children. So she and Lionel had talked about adopting a baby boy, and they were actually approved to adopt a baby boy. But unfortunately, right before they were to finalize the adoption, Lionel died in a car accident. Oh, God. Okay. Dang. 
the adoption agency ended up denying the adoption due to Lionel's death because, well, number one, they knew that it was going to take a toll on Anne mentally. Uh-huh. And number two, back in those days, they preferred for the children to be raised in a household with two parents. Oh, I see. Dang, that sucks. Horrible. So yeah. she was 34 years old at that time. She tragically lost her husband and she essentially lost her child because her dream of a baby boy, it was shattered. So two big losses at the same time. And especially at that, in those years, like at that time, you cannot have a child at that age. Like, oh, no, like, definitely way not. Too dangerous. Like, Hell no. Yeah. No. And I'm not sure if they, I imagine they probably tried to com- uh, conceive another child, mm-hmm. you know, um, with each other. I don't know if she, for some reason, had to have a hysterectomy or what was done. But anyhow, yeah, this devastated her. So she was devastated. She felt lost. And that's when she found yoga. This is a yoga cult. Oh, <laughs> shit. Okay. And she fell in love with yoga. Um, She started taking classes from a woman named Margaret Segsman. (laughs) So Margaret, she was the Swiss woman that studied yoga in India and also in the mountains of Tibet for around seven years or so. And while there, Margaret found a guru. While she spent five of those seven years living in a cave with her guru. Uh, (laughs) A cave? Like, yes. Okay. And where was this in Tibet? Uh, this was, yeah, the mountains of Tibet. Oh my God, that sounds awful. Mm-hmm, it does. Hell no. Um, but eventually her guru sent her back to civili- civilization to start teaching the practice. Okay. So she leaves uh, the cave, stays in Tibet for a while to start teaching the practice, but eventually she lands herself to in Australia. Oh my so, God. In Australia, Margaret opened a yoga school named Gita School of Yoga. And this is the woman that Anne started taking the yoga classes from. Mm -hmm. So Anne loved the yoga practice so much because she said it gave her like a spiritual peace. And she really liked the sense of community that it gave. Mm -hmm. Um, And she loved it so much that she decided she wanted to be a yoga teacher. So in 1960, when Anne was 39 years old, she began giving yoga classes to wives of well-to-do professional men, um, men, and she was really good at it. She was just, um, she was known as this sort of like new age guru. Yeah. And during her yoga classes, she would give these philosophical teachings. Um, she was preaching a combination of Christianity, Hinduism, and Buddhism. Okay, yeah, I mean, that's basically where yoga comes from, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So she was giving these classes at the Gita School of Yoga. And during one of these classes, there was a young man who, um, he started to have a different belief. Like he started disagreeing with something that Anne said. Mm-hmm. And that made Anne really angry because how dare anyone disagree <laughs> well, <laughs> with wait. someone's thoughts or beliefs, right? Yeah. So Anne casted a spell on him. Oh. Oh. (laughs) Apparently at the end of that class, Anne told the others, he's not going to be here tomorrow. He's going to be very sick. Oh my God. What? Okay. And what? Yeah. What? Okay. I'm sorry. Continue. And what do you know? (laughs) The young man, he didn't show up to class the next day. 
because he was in fact sick. Now, it could have been a coincidence, right? I don't know. Maybe the guy also just decided not to take the class due to Anne's crappy attitude towards him. He's like, this bitch is crazy. I'm not exactly. going back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Either way, he didn't show up. And once the word got around to the yoga school's owner, Margaret, about this incident, she didn't like it and she kicked Anne out because it went against the whole yoga beliefs, right? Yeah, I mean, that's being like malicious and trying to like and and just outcasting someone because they're asking questions or, you know, not agreeing totally with you. That's weird. Also, I'm sorry to go back to the cave. (laughs) (laughs) What do they eat? Like, what do they? Do you? Know I don't know if they did details? some sort of like foraging thing. I really don't know. Maybe the guru and um and Margaret went into town once yeah. a week or every couple of weeks to get veggies and I am like and nuts and seeds. I really don't know. I'm like picturing like them sleeping in like these little like sleeping bags at the cave and like a lantern and stuff. And I'm like, what the heck? Where did they go to the bathroom? And like. Okay, anyway, I'm sorry. (laughs) Right, and she actually came from like a well-to-do family. Her dad was like the Swiss banker. Um, Anyways, yeah. Yeah, that's so crazy to me. And for years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, five years living in the cave. I can imagine she's really strong mentally, I bet, right? I guess so. Okay, I'm sorry, go back to Oh, that's okay. (laughs) So so anyways, like like I said, I imagine it goes against yoga beliefs um, because... I imagine, like, I think I remember when I was doing these yoga classes, they said, when you feel angry, you're supposed to stop <clears throat> what you're doing, close your eyes and focus mm-hmm. on your breathing and try and not to like, count to 10. Yeah. And try not to speak and just kind of like, oh. just sit there and like sit on it. Literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But Anne went off on him like a maniac on that poor dude. <laughs> but uh, so I she's can... not very Zen, right? Yeah. So... Here's Anne, essentially jobless because she was kicked out of the yoga studio that she was teaching at. So she just decides it's, decides that she's going to open her own yoga studio. Okay. She said, screw Margaret. I'm going to open my own studio and I'm going to bring in more students than Margaret had. <laughs> so Anne actually took a lot of her students from the cl- classes that she gave at Margaret's yoga studio they left Margaret's studio to follow Anne. Oh, oh, she already getting some followers. There's yes. a pattern. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. And um, here's when shit starts to get really weird. So Anne started to tell her students that she was a descendant from French royalty. Okay. And she also told her students that she, same thing like her mom, like she was a medium and she was able to communicate with the dead. And at this time, she started getting, so she was already a very attractive woman, um, but at this time, she started getting lots of plastic surgery done. Like, she was doing lots of filler, Botox, which I didn't even know back then they had all that shit, but I guess apparently they did. <laughs> um, for some reason, I thought it was a newer thing. But anyways, um, she got a bunch of nose jobs, liposuction, facelifts, like not just one facelift, like multiple. And if you Google an image, like, Bitch, I know I have a big forehead, but hers is way bigger. <laughs> and when you see, like, because back then the way they did, the facelifts uh, were super invasive and they were not as maybe... Um, like subtle? Yes, oh. as they are now. So so she's getting all that stuff done. Um, 
And she was lying about her age. So she would say she was anywhere from 10 to 15 years younger than what she really was. Uh And she was able to get away with it because of these facelifts and, you know, these surgeries she was having done. Um, And she was, so her female, or I'm sorry, her, um, her students, but you could call them followers, they were females. And she convinced her female followers to leave their husbands. Oh my God. Now, mind you, like their husbands were wealthy and anyways, they just went and they left their husbands. And I think she did that because in Anne's mind, once they divorced their husbands, Anne was all that they had and she wanted that like power and control. Yeah, because the more vulnerable you are, the easier it is to control. And Uh that's what basically cult leaders feed off of. Yes. Yeah. And she also told her followers that she was the female reincarnation of Jesus Christ. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. This lady, what is that <laughs> doing? And then in her classes, along with teaching, you know, the Hindu and Christian beliefs, she also threw in the use of Ouija boards and she would consult astrologers. Oh, my God. This, this lady is a witch. She's just mm-hmm. a witch. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and... So like I mentioned, what Anne wanted what more than anything in this life was just to have this big family with lots and lots of children. And so here she's gaining some followers, right? But she's trying to figure out how can I get all of these children? Because it's not like she can get kids to join her cult, you know? Um, sure, it was easy for her to get the adults, but she wanted kids. So, um, and I should say she was able to get some children because some of these ladies already had children so they brought some of those children into the cult with them okay yeah that's what i was thinking i was like she probably tried to get ladies who had children already to like get them to join Mm -hmm. um but and she wasn't satisfied with that she want she wanted more children so in 1962 Anne heard through some friends about a man named dr rayner johnson So Dr. Rainer Johnson graduated from Oxford and the University of London with honors, and he received a PhD in physics. Damn. Mm -hmm. And when he, like, so he actually graduated with honors, um, and he began lecturing at the University of London, Mm -hmm. and then he became the master of Queen's College in Melbourne, Australia. Oh, wow. Damn. Um, He was described as eccentric and a really brilliant man everyone just spoke of how highly intelligent he was and he was really connected to um, Melbourne society and politics and he just knew a lot of very important people and when Anne found out about this she thought hmm if I get him into my cult he can help legitimize my cult oh god what did she do did she cast a spell well, watch. Uh, so at this time, he was 61 years old and he was getting set to retire. He had a wife and two daughters. And at this time, um, Dr. Johnson was also getting super, he was already interested in it, but he got more into the study of paranormal phenomena. For sure. And it was mostly due to his close uh, longtime friendship that he had with an author named Ambrose Pratt. So Ambrose was this mystic who had a love for Buddhism. Mm-hmm. And um, so he and Dr. Johnson actually published several books on mystic- mysticism and 
uh, physical research during the 1950s and 1960s. Oh, okay. So at the time, Anne was seeing some guy named Michael. While Michael was Dr. Johnson's college gardener, And so Anne asked Michael and like his acquaintances all sorts of questions about Dr. Johnson. So that way she knew everything about him, even though she had never met him. And so Michael and these other acquaintances of Dr. Johnson filled her in all the details like, oh, he's going to go on this vacation to India. Oh, he this, that, whatever it is he's into. Oh my gosh. And these people are just giving away this information to this like stranger. So fucked up, right? (laughs) Yeah. So on December 22nd, 1962, slimy ass and slithers on the scene. And one day she shows up at Dr. Johnson's home. She rings his doorbell. He opens the door and Anne says, I don't think you know me, Dr. Johnson, but I know you well. My name is Anne. So he sees her and she's really beautiful. She seems to be... um, a wealthy woman because she's already wearing like designer clothing. Uh, she wears these blonde wigs. Anyways, she has lights on her face. Yes, <laughs> for sure. A lot of it. I'm going to Google he, her. <laughs> yeah, Google her. I think she's very beautiful um, on the outside, uh, not obviously not the inside. So he invites her into his home mm-hmm. and she tells him that she knows he's going on a vacation to India with his wife. And, um, that was true. They were going actually the following summer. Uh-huh. Um, so they were going to go on a six-week trip. And for a part of that trip, he was going to attend a lecture on spirituality. Uh-huh. And he was planning on meeting with Indian mystics. Anyway, Dr. Johnson was shocked and just captivated. How did this woman who he didn't know know about this India trip? Yeah, that's creepy. Uh, oh, and- I Googled her. Mm-hmm. Oh my God, her forehead is crazy. Mark, yes, eight head, nine head, ten head. Holy yes, God. and and like if you see pictures of when she was even younger, like she was yeah, one she, of those people that didn't need to have any surgery done. Um, yeah, she was really pretty, but as she it looks like when she got older, she kept getting more work done. Yes, Ugh. so that's just kind of when it starts messing up your face, right? Yes. So while Anne was talking to Dr. Johnson, she told him that he needed to be careful on this trip. She told him that his wife was going to get really, really sick. Mm -hmm. Well, Dr. Johnson and his wife still went on that trip to India, and his wife did get sick. She got, she basically got really bad diarrhea, okay? (laughs) But like, it's just like, okay, clearly he was very gullible because... I don't know. I, I thought that it was like common to get travelers diarrhea. Like I think yeah. they call it deli belly. <laughs> Wait, what? That's what we've seen online. It's called deli belly and it's I, super common. I never heard of that, but that's hilarious. I was just going <laughs> to say like anywhere you travel like internationally, like, oh, you know, you're going to get some type of indigestion from the food or water or something but right like you can even go to the doctor before and they give you special pills in case that should happen oh my god so i mean clearly he was a very educated and brilliant man but he was just very gullible i think it was he must have been searching for some sort of guru and Anne slithered in at the right time or maybe he was also like extremely intelligent obviously and educated but he maybe also superstitious 
Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, it could be. Um, and if you Google him, like he just looks kind of quirky and weird. Um, but anyway, uh, this is all that it took for Dr. Johnson and his wife to believe that Anne was something special. So Anne, like she claimed to him too, to be the reincarnation of Jesus Christ. And Dr. Johnson and his family now started to believe that it was true. And Anne um, told him that she wanted to give him eternal life. So Dr. Johnson, his wife, and one of their daughters, along with four other members, declared her as Christ, and they gave themselves a name. How? This is the first name of the cult. Okay. They were called, I don't like this name, they were called the Great White Brotherhood of Initiates and Masters. Wow. But why is it the Great White? Like And Masters? Yeah. Oh, uh, that's, uh, that's a little bit suspicious. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Wait, how did? Oh my God! Because you hear about these cults, and like you're always like, "Wait, how did they? How do these people follow? You know, blindly these leaders, and they're always kind of younger people or people that are lost and this and that." But a physicist, like, and graduated, his wife was highly educated as well. And how did they get sucked into this? That's crazy. It's shocking to me. I mean, what? Just because she claimed that he was gonna, you know, but I, I would be like. Well, who told you that was going to go? Someone surely must have told you I'm going to India. And then about her getting sick. Well, dude, you're in India. Like, yeah, yeah, you're probably going to get diarrhea. That's crazy to me. I can't believe that. Mm -hmm. So like I mentioned before, Dr. Johnson, he had lots of connections. He knew people in high positions with lots of power. So he started going around telling all of these influential people that Anne was this amazing woman who was very intelligent. He even uh, told them that she could heal people. Uh, um, so she was a healer now. And <laughs> somehow Dr. Johnson was able to bring in these like highly respected wealthy people into the cult. Oh, so he brought in lawyers. So uh -huh. like which is smart of them because these lawyers could defend the family. Well, back then they weren't called the family yet, but they could defend the cult in court. Right. Um, oh, actually, I'm lying. At that point, they did change their name to the family at that point. Oh, okay. Um, and then, you know, if you think about it, lawyers could forge passports if needed. Um, there was also doctors and nurses in the cult. How? How? I, I know. So that's why I thought this was very interesting because... First, it was a female cult leader, which is less common. And then these were all really like intelligent and educated and wealthy people. Yeah, that's Is insane. that the same as maybe Scientology? I don't know, but. Oh, maybe. I mean, right? I guess you could be smart, but also kooky. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. At least we know, Arena, that we wouldn't get. Yeah, by. hell no. I'd be like. Absolutely mm -hmm. not. I didn't pass the test. No. <laughs> <laughs> um so now that Anne had Dr. Johnson and you know he was able to bring in these really highly respected important people she had her eyes set on someone else that she thought was very very important and his name was Dr. Howard Whitaker. Sure. So Dr. Whitaker was a psychiatrist and he worked at a private psych uh psychiatrist uh why can I say the name psychiatric hospital <laughs> yeah. that used LSD to treat patients? Uh. Mm -hmm. 
So he um, he actually experimented with LSD himself. Right. And Dr. Johnson and Anne were able to recruit Dr. Whitaker into the cult. Okay. Which, yeah, which then he recruited some of his psychiatrist's friends and they were getting Anne illegal prescriptions um, of LSD to which she used the LSD in these initiations that she called clearings. Oh my God, this is insane. Holy crap. Yes. Um, oh, and I need to mention one of the members that Dr. Whitaker recruited was a woman named Joy and Joy owned the psychiatric hospital. Oh. And watch, when Joy died in 1969, the dam clinic was left to a tax-exempt nonprofit-making foundation with Anne being the joint trustee and executor. So she essentially got to like inherit the psychiatric hospital. She was one of the trustees? Oh my God, all this power she has over these people. Yes. Smart, educated people. Yes. What? So anyways, back to these initiations that she called clearings, she would give the new followers, um, she would have them go into a small room that had no windows, so it was super dark, and she would give them LSD. Oh, hell and no. once they were given the LSD, they were made to sit in that small room and just sit in the dark for hours and hours and hours. And then, so they were tripping balls. Can you imagine oh. that shit? No, I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> and then the door would open and there would be Anne wearing a white flowy gown. Oh my God. And she would have a damn bucket of dry ice behind her. Oh, wow. So theatrical. Very. And She's, so I am your savior. Yes, I am your Messiah. And can you imagine like you're on LSD, you're tripping and you're like, in this dark room, no windows, and then that, like, yeah, they believe that she was Jesus Christ. I mean, honestly, if I were stuck in a dark room tripping balls, I'd probably be crying, and I'd be, like, begging to get out. Anyone who opens that damn door, I'd be like, you're my savior. <laughs> <laughs> Holy crap. That's true. That's that's true. Keep um, getting me out of here. <laughs> I will serve you. Have you ever tried it? LSD? Um, yes, but when I did, it didn't, I don't know if it actually affected me well or if I didn't maybe take enough. Yeah. Um, but I have done other psychedelics like shrooms. Yeah. And it can be therapeutic for sure. I have friends. Yeah, my thing. Yeah. But, um, but have you ever tried? I tried it once and I never did it again because, um, <laughs> first of all, it started me and my friend Karen, like we were in a band and we went to Taco Bell. So we did it, went to Taco Bell and I had $20 and I was like a teenager. Yeah. And, you know, $20 is a lot of shit. Now it's still a lot of money with as expensive everything is. But anyhow, yeah. I lost it at Taco Bell parking lot. So that just got my mind <gasps> set like oh, in a bad not place. in a good place. Right. Yeah. And so I just did it. I started like not feeling good. And so then I asked them to take me home. And so like my mom is there and she's in the kitchen and she's, having a disagreement with someone on the phone. So then I go home to this. So I go and basically hide in my room. And then my cousins came over. Um, oh, no. I had three female cousins who were close to my age. And one of them straight looked like Rambo. And <laughs> literally, and then my other cousin, she looked like the devil to me. I swear I saw horns and it was just tripping bad. It was awful. And thank God that happened because I was like, never again will I touch that <gasps> shit. 
Oh my God, that's awful. I was so scared that I was going to like always feel that way. Oh my gosh, Renette. Wait, also, hold up. You were in a yeah. band? Yeah. Wait, what did you play? Bass guitar. Actually, I taught Bubba how to play the bass. Oh, that's right. That's right. What was your band name? Verniform. It was like Verniform? the shape or look of a worm. That's the definition of it. So oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah, it was my me and my friend Karen. Um, and then um my friend Andrew Clark, he played drums really good. And then my friend Gabe. So yeah, it was really fun. We used to play like little house shows and stuff like that. That is so cool. Aww. I have pictures that I came across recently. I'll send them to you. <gasps> Yay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, um, yeah, so they, you know, that's what she would do to initiate the new members. And by the time, like by this time, the cult had 500 members, 500 arena. Holy crap, all full of doctors and lawyers and psychiatrists. and Oh, yes. And mind you, she demanded 10% like a church here would do. Like she demanded 10%. So be can you imagine how wealthy that made her? Holy shit. Yeah, that's crazy. Wow. And their motto was unseen, unheard, unknown. Uh, what is and, that supposed to mean? <laughs> right. I don't know. And at this time, Anne was able to get... Now, this is a combination of like the cult members that came in that already had children, but she ended up getting um, 28 children. And I'll get more into it later about how she obtained those other children, but she had 28 children. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I just saw a photo of her with like a bunch of just children all dressed the same. So yes. Seeing her. Yes. So soon after in 1969, um, at that point... Anne and Michael, they're no longer together, and Anne meets a man named Bill. And it's believed that she met Bill at the psychiatric hospital that she now inherited because Bill's son was receiving treatment for drug addiction. Mm -hmm. Now, Bill was married. He had a whole-ass family, but Anne wanted Bill, and she didn't care that he was married. And Bill, he wanted to also be with her. And so... So now that Anne owns this psychiatric hospital and her members are doctors there and nurses, Anne had Bill's wife committed to the psychiatric hospital. Oh my God. That shit is so messed up. She's like, you're in the way. I'm going to put you away now. Bye. Like he could have just divorced her. Yeah. Right? But Oh, that's not dramatic enough. <laughs> no, exactly. So Bill and Anne, they end up getting married. Um, and now... Since there was like so many members, a lot of them, they bought homes in the same area so they can all be close by each other. Mm -hmm. And this is around the time when Anne, um, she literally started to steal children. Oh my God, what? So like I mentioned, there were 28 children in total. Okay, so 14 of them were infants and young children, and the others were the biological children of the cult members that came in with the children. Mm -hmm. But 14 that were stolen... So the way she was able to get a lot of these children were through illegal adoptions. Oh, my God. Because remember, a lot of these cult members were lawyers, doctors, nurses, and also social workers. Oh, my God. That's so messed up. It really is. And um, so there's a child in particular. Her name is Sarah. And she was the first child that was stolen. Uh -huh. So Dr. Johnson's daughter, she was... Uh, a doctor. She was an OBGYN. Mm -hmm. And she actually delivered Sarah. As soon as Sarah was born, 
a pillow was placed over Sarah's mom's face and she was injected with tranquilizers. Ah, oh my God. Sarah's mom, she was a teen mom. I think she was either 15 or 16. Oh, damn. Uh, but, but Sarah's dad didn't want to be a dad. So she, he left Sarah's mom when she was pregnant. And sadly, Sarah's family disowned her due to being a teen and you know, a single mom. Um, so yeah, she stole her. Sarah grew up thinking that Anne was her biological mother and she didn't find out until she was a teenager that Anne wasn't her real mom. Oh my God. And like they drugged up, they drugged her up, the mom, her. and then like what, they just left her there? Like they yes. the baby? Oh my God. Yep. Gosh. <gasps> and like all these lawyers and doctors and social workers helping, like going against what they stand for to help yes. them snatching up kids. What is that called? The the oath that they um yeah the Hi- Hi- the Hippocratic Hippocratic oath yeah yeah that's insane oh my god yeah and then the the kids that she got through the um, illegal adoption the social workers that were in Anne's cult they would bypass certain like rules and regulations and let Anne adopt these children oh my god um and the lawyers in the cult they would forge papers for the new additions to the cult what the hell. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And Slimy Ann would get the doctors and her cult to poison family members who had a young kid. And then Ann would step in claiming to be the reincarnation of Jesus Christ and offer to heal them since they were so sick. But she said, in order for me to heal you, I need your kid. So these sick and desperate moms would give Ann their kid. What? Yes, because... And it's like, Anne would promise to give these kids like a really good life to the mom and the doctors would just stop poisoning the mom and the mom would get better, but think it was all due to Anne performing some freaking miracle. Wow. And they're probably just thinking like, oh, whatever needs to be done to make sure my child is taken care of and raised well in case Mm -hmm. they keep continue to stay sick. And they die or something. Yeah. God, so evil. Um, and so Anne would also give like these really lengthy sermons. She would make everyone gather to listen to her just ramble on and on. Um, but uh, so she'd give these really long, horrible, horrible sermons. Um, I read into detail what she would talk about. I wish I put it down my nose, but anyways, um, so imagine like. They're all taking LSD regularly. It's not like when they're initiated is the only time they're taking LSD. No, when she gave these sermons, which I believe was on Thursday nights and Sundays, uh-huh. they were given LSD. Oh my God. All all ages or like, mm-hmm. oh, even the kids? Even the children. Oh no, that's not good. So when they would be on the LSD and would appear in that white robe and say, you know who I am, and it got members to think yes this is christ because they're tripping you know yeah um on the thursday night she would enter the small dark room and like i said the air would be thick and there would be incense being burned and she'd be surrounded by this blue light and she would sit on her throne like chair and she would have the cult members like kneel like kneel down oh my god wow this is i'm like picturing all this and it, it looks ridiculous Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus. And a lot of Anne's members, um, they thought that they thought that the children were Anne's. Like 
with the exception of, you know, the people, the attorneys, the caseworkers. But remember, there's 500 of them. Yeah. So a lot of them truly believe that they were Anne's biological children. Um, she actually would say that uh, she was able to give birth to so many children because a lot of them were twins or triplets. But she would wear like a fake stomach bump to make it seem as if she was like pregnant with no child. No way. Yeah. Oh, holy crap. She's dedicated to this. Yes. And anyways, like she was too old to be pregnant, but they thought she was 10 or 15 years younger due to how all her like, because she would lie about her age, but yeah. it seemed like it was possible because but she had plastic surgery. Did she ever explain who the father was or was she like a Virgin Mary type of deal? No, I don't think she claimed to be uh, get pregnant by immaculate conception. I think I don't know what she said to that. News, okay, that's um, yeah. and also around this time, Anne she opened up like her own school. Is it? So that's where the children oh, were taught. Great. Now more control. Mm -hmm. <laughs> more power. Now in 1971, Anne moved her first seven kids to a house that she named Up Top. And it was like a really big, beautiful property. Mm -hmm. um, this is also when she started to make the kids uh, to start looking like each other, like you've seen in that photo, because they weren't bought biologically yeah. related. So she gave them all similar haircuts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> excuse me. The boys all had these sort of, I think they had bull haircuts, right? And they're they, bleached blonde. They look like children of the corn. Yes, they do. Blonde hair with that like bull-like haircut, kind of like Amish looking mm -hmm. Amish yep. looking hair yeah that's what it looks like but the girls had their hair kept long mm -hmm. and I think it was straight um so she made the kids get their hair bleached platinum blonde which I can only imagine was probably pretty painful for those kids dude uh, I can't even oh my god and at such a young age like little babies basically yes getting their head bleached and their scalp burned yes yeah. And I guess she did let, like, if they were naturally redheads, she let them keep the red hair because Anne was naturally a redhead. Oh, God. Okay. And then she had them all wear matching outfits. Mm -hmm. And um, all of the kids, they thought they were brothers and sisters. So sad. Um, it is. And yeah. the kids, they were actually given speech lessons to sound more British. Like, she preferred for them to have a British accent over an Australian accent. Wow. I mean... So, like, they would have to practice their vowels and stuff. History repeating itself because that's what yes. the British did, basically. Take over yes. and try to make them... What was it? I forgot what it was called. Uh, where they tried to breed with the Aborigines to make them whiter. <laughs> yes. And to be just British, like, full-on yes. British. Like, I forgot what that's... Cleansing? Yes, Wednesday? I think yeah. so. That's insane that she's doing that. Like, yeah. For their accents and like culture and stuff. Yeah. And then like she would make these videos um, and you can find them on YouTube of like how life was on uh, or how life was living at up top. And she had the kids like running around playing and looking as if they're really happy. Mm -hmm. um, she made it seem as they if they had this ideal home life. Um, and that any kid would be happy to live there. But the truth is, life was awful for these kids there. I'd be like, take one look at those haircuts. Exactly. <laughs> and then no. like the matching clothes, be like, something is freaking wrong with this. It wasn't even like normal, like looking clothes. It was like a royal blue, like bright blue 
tarp looking ass dress thing that they're wearing like all ill-fitting ugly i don't know it's just yeah but and they were so cute though right yeah i mean poor kids kids. i I know bad for them but yeah no i (laughs) like i have to get a bowl haircut like i had when i was a kid hell no i don't want to do that again (laughs) (laughs) did you have one yeah i think everyone in the 90s did no I don't know. Send me a picture. No, I don't think I... I would have to ask my mom. <laughs> ask her. I, I'd love to see a picture of you with the bull. Oh, Bubba had a bull haircut. You know what? Mine, like my mom always had my hair... Man, she like... My hair was always like pulled back in a messy ass ponytail. Like <laughs> it, it looked... Yeah, my mom had me looking fucked up when I was a kid. Oh, <laughs> I don't... Did your parents also like cut your hair? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What is it with parents like cutting their kids' hair? And- I don't know. They were like a little human dolls to them, apparently. No, it's kidding. <laughs> well, it's different now. Like people oh, yeah. who are having small children now, like I seen this thing where when I was little, I was happy to get McDonald's. And now these kids, they want sushi. They want this. They want that. You They're know? more cultured. <laughs> yeah, they. I guess so. Uh, but anyways, life was not good at, up top. Um, at this point, too, Anne was getting older and she was just she was not really interested in being a mom anymore. And it's not like she was ever super involved, though. She really wasn't. Um, She would just pop in and out whenever she pleased (laughs) and create these fake-ass videos of how happy life was at up top. She wasn't Um, even, wait, so she wasn't even motherly? She wanted kids this whole time? She got the kids, now she's like, eh. Yeah. Eh. Yeah, she just, she preferred to travel and shop and just live like a really (laughs) lavish lifestyle. So, (laughs) So she liked the idea of having kids and she wanted to be that like cool aunt who just kind of like pops but, in and out and like hates yeah. kids once in a while. But then as soon as they start crying or, or pooping or something, she's like, I'm out. Yes. Wow. Okay. Well, and um, also like, so since she wasn't really there to take care of the kids, she recruited some of the uh, woman cult members to be aunties. So they were these aunties um she used them to live with the kids and they also homeschooled the kids at Anne's school and she actually also used them to discipline the kids now Anne was super super for like physically abusing the children and um yes it was awful so like I said, the aunties basically raised the kids and she made sure and made sure that the aunties had the kids on a very strict daily routine. Really? So the kids would be forced. I'm talking about Monday through Sunday, not just like Monday through Friday. The kids would wake up at 530 a.m. They would make their beds. Then they would do one hour of yoga. They would listen to 15 minutes of Anne's sermons on tape. And then they were sent to school. And then... When, um, oh, mind you, like they were vegetarians. Um, so like for breakfast, like they didn't, they were like, honestly, they were practically starved because breakfast was said to be just a small amount of fruit. And, um, because Anne was super vain. Um, she wanted the kids to be very thin. She thought thin was beautiful. Oh my God, but not malnourished. Like they literally, Arena were malnourished. These are growing kids. Like they need every food group, and like you can become a vegetarian for your own choice later on in life if you want. But right, don't like prevent these kids from having a good, healthy like meals. Like what the hell? 
this quiz? Yeah, and their lunch was just steamed veggies and fruit. Ew. Yeah, and then from 5 to 9, 5 p.m. to 9 p.m., she made the children meditate for four hours, Arena. Children meditating. That's that's a oxymoron right there. Yeah. They, they definitely cannot and should not have to do that. No. And then for dinner, it was the same thing veggies and uh, some fruit. Oh my gosh, sounds miserable. These poor kids. Now, if the children did not do what they were told to do, like, for example, if they didn't make their bed fast enough or if they spoke when they were not supposed to speak, they were severely beaten. Oh, my God. There was an incident where one of the paintbrushes was missing in the art room, and one of the aunties realized that the paintbrush was missing. And so she gathered all of the children together and she took a bucket that was filled with water and she started dunking the kids' heads under the water and holding their heads down until someone confessed to taking the paintbrush. Oh my God, this is torturous. Um, yeah, and like, so the aunties were instructed by Anne to abuse these poor children. When a kid was getting tortured Anne would make sure that the aunties would call her on the phone so that she could hear the child suffering. Oh, no. <laughs> she oh. wanted to hear them scream. Oh, no. What the? the so from the, from the get-go, she wanted kids just to, like, do whatever she, the hell she wanted with them. She didn't even eh? actually want to, like, love a child. She just wanted to just treat them like shit. Yeah, she never wanted to love a child. She never wanted to give them a safe place she never wanted to make them just feel wow so she just yeah. wanted power over them that's all it was holy crap now the aunties and Anne controlled the food in the house um like i mentioned the kids were basically being starved and all of the children were severely underweight um like there was a couple of them where I read where they had the bloated bellies oh no um, some would be so hungry that like they would eat grass. Oh, Someone was said to eat like their own feces because they were so hungry. Oh no. Oh God. They Ugh. would put padlocks on like the cupboards and the refrigerator. And Anne and the aunties would, oh, they're so freaking evil. They would eat large meals in front of the kids. Oh my God. These like lavish meals. Oh my God. I can't believe this is, real for children and what pisses me off is Anne would make the kids get weighed so every morning the kids had to line up and they had to step on a scale and if they gained even just one pound of weight they would be severely beaten they're growing like you're expecting they're supposed to gain weight what the hell because some of them were as young as three years old somewhere it's just so shitty somewhere and then i think up until i think the oldest might have been 17 if i remember correctly and like all these adults in the in the cult knew about all this too like everyone mm -hmm. knew that this was happening and they didn't do anything oh, I, I don't or? i think i don't think all of them knew about it i think it was mainly the aunties that lived on up top oh, and like oh. the members around there but i do know like dr johnson who lived nearby a lot of them did know but it was yeah. 500 of them and yeah. not all of them lived like close enough to know exactly what was going on damn but a lot of them did know, and someone definitely could have went to the police and said something. Yeah, hello. Mm -hmm. And so it's just so sad. So 
the kids were so scared of getting a beating that a lot of them would often make themselves throw up right before just so that the scale wouldn't move up a number. Oh, poor things. I know. And and she had a brick temple built on the property. So remember a lot of like the members had their houses all near each other. Mm-hmm. While Dr. Johnson house Johnson's house was right across from that brick temple. And they were having one of the sermons that evening, and the kids were all on LSD. And one of the members who was 14 years old, she was given an initiation that night. So she was injected with LSD, and she was locked in that small room. She was getting dosed up for days with LSD. It wasn't just like one dose, and then you're tripping, and then you'll go back to your normal self. She, They were injecting her for days. Oh, my God. She started screaming really, really loud during this time, and her screams were so loud that some of the neighbors who were not a part of the cult, they ended up calling the police. Good. So police arrive, and Anne, she opens the door, and here she is, you know, this beautiful woman in expensive jewelry, designer clothes, and just super charismatic. She opens the door, and she invited the police in and offers them a cup of tea. Mm-hmm. So while she's pouring them tea, those poor children, so they were all stuffed and locked into a super tiny crawl space that Anne had made specifically if a situation like this occurred. Oh my God. The kids were kept there and forced to remain silent until the police left. And so these kids were just brainwashed by Anne and the aunties because they always told the kids that the police were evil, horrible people. And if the police ever finds one of you, they're going to rape and beat you. Wow. So the kids were terrified. Oh, my gosh. So the, the cops just left? The cops left. Oh, my God. No. So like I mentioned, the poor kids, they were starving. And there was one time where Sarah, the first child that was uh, stolen... She went into an auntie's room and she made herself toast and she was spread butter on the toast and she wiped the butter knife on a towel and Anne found out about it and Anne beat Sarah and threw Sarah down the stairs. For rubbing butter on a towel? For, yeah, for sneaking food, for having oh. a piece of toast. Oh, okay. <laughs> for dirtying the towel. <laughs> oh my God. But still, anyway, like, well. Yeah. So, you know, Sarah was getting older. She was growing up. I think she was 16 years old at the time. And she started to think for herself and she kind of started to rebel a little bit, which yeah. good for her. Mm-hmm. And she would sometimes sneak out at night and she would go for long walks. And one night there was a house that left their window open and Sarah broke in, stole all of the food that she could. And she ran into the woods with it and she stored it there. And what she would do is she would take her siblings out at night with her to eat the food because she knew her siblings were hungry. Dang, but then they would get beaten up if they... They didn't get caught for that, at least that well, I'm, I could read in my research. She broke into the home, stole that food, stored it into like the forest area oh, or whatever in the woods. Oh, and then, but, but I meant like when they get weighed, right? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, they would probably but get I mean, in trouble with that, but the God, they were so hungry. I was going to say, know? like, it's better to get beaten than starve to death, I guess. Yeah. Any career? And 
Um, also, I should mention, Anne, she was incredibly wealthy, and she had so many homes that she owned, like literally all over the world. The lady was loaded, and she and her husband, Bill, because um, Bill was super rich too. I don't remember what he did, but anyways, he was already super wealthy. So Anne was just starting to care less and less about uh, what went on at up top. And she started to actually let Sarah and another one of the teen cult members make friends with members outside of the cult. Okay. So Sarah and the other girl, they were doing normal teen stuff like shopping, going out to eat and, you know, making friends and stuff. Okay. Well, they made friends with two teenage sisters named Kathy and Helen. And Sarah would tell Kathy and Helen about what went on at up top. Sarah referred to herself and her sister as POAs, which are prisoners of Anne. Oh, my God. And one evening, Kathy and Helen's mom, they drove Sarah back home to up top. And Sarah, being the little rebel that she is, she invited the mom inside up top. <laughs> and Anne found out about this, and she kicked Sarah out of the family. Like, she disowned her. Wow. But, I which, mean, which also, good for Sarah, yeah. though. I mean, dang, but too bad, like... The parents like weren't told though because they could have you know done something about it maybe the friend well, watch that so that this Sarah ends up going to live with Kathy and Helen oh okay um and so she's there she's living there and their mom Erica took Sarah to the police to tell the police of what was going on at up top okay good Sarah spilled the tea and she told the police everything good that was going on and they believed her. And so on August 14th, 1987, the police raid up top and they found large amounts of LSD and marijuana. Um, and when this happened, all of the cult members, they just started to flee. Like they were running away from the situation for fear of like legal action and people who didn't live on the compound when they found out about what was going on. They're like, nope, yeah, no longer want to be a part of this. Dang. Um but when this happened, thankfully, the police did save the children. Sure. The children were taken by Australian social services. And <clears throat> I don't know why every time I do a podcast, my throat itches and I cough. Well, you're talking, uh -huh. you're talking a lot. <laughs> they kept all of the kids together, which is great, right? Yeah. Instead of like separating a lot of times, like the children are separated. Yeah. Um, so thankfully, these social workers cared for and nurtured the children. Oh, good. Now, during this raid, Anne was not on the property. She was in one of her fancy New York apartments. And so nothing could be done because she was in the United States. I'm like, oh, yeah, I keep forgetting this is on Australia. <laughs> yes. I'm like, go get her. <laughs> yes. No, yeah. she, they couldn't do anything. So at that time, nobody was prosecuted. This is. But the psychiatric hospital, you know, that was shut down and Dr. Whitaker's medical license was taken away. And then Dr. Johnson's reputation, it went to crap. But nobody was prosecuted, Arena. What? How? How? I mean, I guess it's just, yeah. So, but eventually in 1993, so five years later, uh -huh. Anna Bill... They were extradited to Australia okay, for forging birth certificates. I was going to say, like, they have to get extradited at some point because if they just stay out of the yeah. country, it's easier for them to get away with shit. <laughs> right? Yeah. But the wild thing is, 
Um, they were only charged with perjury of false registered birth for only three children. What? Only three. Oh my God. After all the shit that they did. Like, what? why are they not charging? What about the other children? And like right? all these okay. other people that should have been arrested. Yep. So here's what's nuts. They plead guilty, but the charges were eventually dropped. What? All Anne and Bill had to do was pay a $5,000 fine, which that is like chump change That's to nothing. them. nothing. So she paid five grand and she was able to walk away free. It, and I should also mention, like, this cult went on for 30 years. I was going to say, it started in, what, the 60s? 60s. And then it ended, like, in... 93. Late, 93. So it went on for 30 years. Now, I was thinking, like, how the hell is it possible that they were able to walk away free? Um, I'm thinking it might be because Anne had some members in the cult who were very important people oh, and they knew people in high places. Yeah. Probably, and, I'm assuming, even judges. And she had a lot of money. Right. Wow. So I feel like it's probably due to that where why Anne was able to get away with it. Dang, that sucks. And Anne, she, you know, she... So there's a video you can watch with her... Um, on YouTube, so just like put Anne Hamilton Byrne sure. uh, interview, and she always denied doing anything terrible to the kids. She claimed that she loved all of the children. Um, her husband Bill ended up passing away eight years after the court case was heard. Um, so I think it was in two thousand and one he passed away, and eventually Anne ended up getting dementia. Okay. And in 2019, she died. Okay. So recently, like just, she only Not died that. four years ago. Wow. She lived a long ass life. She, she was born lived in a, It's the evil that fucking live forever. Yeah, it's hard to kill cockroaches. <laughs> they survive through a lot of shit. And holy crap, is it hard to kill them? All right. So she, yeah, so she uh, was, she was living in a, like a old folks care home, oh, wow. um, you know, and she had dementia for a long time and, and she passed away. I think she was 90, gosh, was it 93 or something like that? When 19, she was born 1920 something? Yep, 1920 or I think it was like 1921. She lived long. Right. And, well, and never- when, when she died, um, she had a net worth of $10 million. Oh, my God. Wait, mm-hmm. she was in an old folks home and she had all that money? I wonder if, like... It was probably a fancy one, right? Yeah. Probably, like, you'd do your own thing. We just have, like, nurses on the clock, like, 24-7 there to help Yeah. Me. Dang. But, yeah, so that was a case of the family. Oh, my God. And... Wild, right? I saw it when oh. I Googled um, the family just to see the photos... Um, I did see that there was a show out, like a little docu-series out. So that's yeah. interesting. And then you can also, um, Sarah, her her only biological daughter, she wrote a book oh, also. Okay. And you can find it for free. Like I read part of the book. Um, they, they have it in PDF online. Dang. I, I wonder like how all those kids are doing, like, you know, grown up and if they yeah. are okay because... They went through some shit. Almost definitely. Wow. 
And yeah, like you said, what happened to this lady during her like teenage teen years? Because okay, yeah, yeah, being orphaned is not great, but she had siblings who they didn't turn into this insane cult leader, like charming no. children and what the hell? That's crazy to me. I can't believe yeah. that happened. Yeah, and can you imagine her siblings like just knowing that your sister did such horrible things? Oh um and it's just yeah, it just sucks because like she of all people should know what it's like to be um to not feel safe and to be mistreated. I mean, her parents basically abandoned uh, well, the dad abandoned the family and then the mom was mentally ill and in yeah. mental asylums. Um and then she and her siblings were in and out of the foster care system like so she must have just had a real hatred for children and wanted them to like feel what she felt mm-hmm. and like torture them and make them feel unloved, uh, just how she felt. And I wonder if she, I mean, clearly she had something mentally wrong with oh, her. Yeah. I wonder if she too was like her mom and she was this like paranoid schizophrenic. Like, did she really yeah. believe she, she was the reincarnation of Jesus Christ? I mean, some of I some of that is can be genetic, so it's a possibility, yeah. And then with yeah. all the who knows what happened to her in that orphanage that, growing up that, and that made that, things just escalate that, to the point yeah. where she just went insane. Yeah. Ouch. So anyways that's it, you guys. I'm trying not to drag this out too much longer. We're ready yeah. at over an hour, an hour, 20 minutes. 20. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, that was a crazy case. Thank you, Renette. And thank you guys again for those questions. Yeah. Um, we will continue to ask you guys to send us any more questions and we'll answer them. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much. And thanks for oh, the... Oh, before I forget, Arena, gosh, dang it. I, ha- I just... I have a text message of a question from somebody. Oh. <laughs> um, let me read this to you. Okay. Um, question. Why do you guys shit on this Joel character so much? <laughs> AKA me. Okay. <laughs> 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 Oh, How should we answer this? Well, thank you guys for listening. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, do you want to? Because end- I do. Joel, he is an avid, like a loyal, avid listener. He listens to all the episodes. Um, well, thank you, Joel, for listening. You know, we're just teasing you. <laughs> are we though? I mean, it's Joel. It is. <laughs> Why do we shit on him? Because it's you, Joel. Because you're Joel. You are my arch nemesis. You are the pain in my ass. You are the person that is giving me more and more gray hairs. You that seem, is why. You seem because, like a fun guy to pick on, too. Yeah, he's easy. Yeah. He always says I'm too easy because he constantly... I'll send you a video today that he stole my phone and ran out of the break room and I didn't know if he went down into the basement or went upstairs to run out of the building. So I go in the basement and there's two doors. So I'm running to the left. Do I go in the backyard? So I go out back there, don't see him. Okay, let me go to the right and go out to Grape Street and I don't see him. Finally go up the stairs, find him and I'm chasing him outside like a mad woman trying to get my phone back. 
and so, you're yeah. wondering, Joel, why Renette like brings exactly. you up and we make fun of you. <laughs> that's that's one of the many reasons. You guys have such a funny relationship. It's like a brother and sister like pranking each other. <laughs> a love hate relationship. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, I forgot. I'm glad I I remembered. Um, but anyways, thank you everybody for listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks for the support, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.